When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. We say hi to college football insider, longtime man with ESPN at ESPN Radio, Brad Edwards at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter's where you find him. Brad, how are we doing this week? <laughs> doing all right. It's, uh, it's a silly season, isn't it? My, uh, brother, it is absolutely silly season because it's smoke and fire and chasing names and rumors and innuendo and the rumor mill swirling. And you've watched college football for a long time, and, and you, like us, have seen uh, this about every four or five years in Lincoln with who's it going to be? Obviously, you had the Frost and the Pallini. Uh, hires and then out of the left field you had Bill Callahan and Mike Riley so uh, <laughs> help us out with your expert college eye uh, let's talk uh, a list here uh, Brad and give me your three or four names you like for Lincoln oh. you know Chris I don't I don't really get into that Okay. Because I, I've seen I've seen so many instances where someone who the fans weren't excited about turned out to be a great really coach. Good. Yeah. And you know there are other times. I mean Scott Frost is the the latest example where everyone was thrilled and it seemed like the perfect fit. Um, seemed like a, a coach who had proven himself to whatever extent you felt was necessary to get a job like that. And it just didn't come close to working mm-hmm. out. And so when you've seen it both ways, it's, it's, it's really difficult uh, just because there's so many variables, mm-hmm. you know, to just sit there and say, hey, this person would do what? Because in a lot of cases, it's not even as simple as just who is the coach. But, mm-hmm. you know, who's on his staff? Mm-hmm. Um, who's in the administration at that time who is 
making decisions as far as what the coach is able to accomplish that he wants to accomplish. Because every new coach who comes in doesn't get everything that he wants. And so there are all sorts of factors like that that, that go into whether a coach succeeds. And, um, and, and that's why it's so difficult to speculate. And I really kind of stopped playing that matchmaking in my mind game <laughs> um, many years ago. I mean, I, I mean, just a great example. I remember 1999 when it was announced that LSU had hired Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, w- what an awful fit. Like, just, you know, you, you look at, at Saban's career and where he had been, and he's never coached in the South. He's not going to be able to recruit in Louisiana. And, well, that was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, it's just so... <laughs> So, so many times that uh, logic doesn't apply, or at least, you know, just what we would think would make a great, great head coach um, or, or the, the best fit doesn't apply. And, and so um, sometimes as much as we don't want to do it, we just kind of got to got to wait and see because, you know, the day after the press conference, you're not going to know anymore. I want to give you some names and you've covered them. Um, Matt Rubel's been the popular name. Uh, this week, uh, we'll see if if there's something that moves forward between Nebraska and Rule. But you saw him at Baylor. You also saw him at Temple. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's a lot to like there as far as uh, you know, taking two programs that were down in the dumps, and uh, I never thought I would see Nebraska, and I'm sure nobody listening ever thought they would see Nebraska in the spot they are now, where you would have to say they're in the dumps. I mean, maybe not to the degree that Temple and Baylor were, um, but, man, they've got a long way to go, and uh, and he's shown that he can be the guy to, to do that, to, to pull a pull a program out of the gutter and uh, and get it not only back to respect respectability, but back to, uh, you know, winning at a, at a pretty impressive level. Now, um, I guess the question for Nebraska is, are you, are you looking for your next coach to be someone who's going to you know, get you to the Big Ten championship game and maybe have a chance to make the college football playoff? Or are you just looking for someone to get you back where Frank Solich was you know, and, and win nine games every year? And, um, and then maybe after that, you – you take it to, to somebody else who can get you to that, that next step. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know, um, you know, where you go with this, but it seems to me that at this stage, if you're Nebraska, you just got to go after someone who you feel like has a really good chance of, of making you relevant again, you know, getting a number to the left of your name um, mm-hmm. a couple years from now where, uh, you know, week in and week out, Whenever you play, the highlights are always on SportsCenter because you're ranked. Um, I, I think that is the next step that they need to take, and they need to focus on somebody who can accomplish that. Um, and, I mean, based on his track record, I don't, I don't know why Matt Rule wouldn't be someone who would check those boxes. Well, yeah, well, what Matt Rule does so well, Brad, is he finds diamonds in the rough and he develops them into something special, turns them into an All-American. And not only has that been – you know, the standard at Nebraska through the years, that's been how you win in the Big Ten through the years. You take these guys that are a little bit under-recruited, you find them, you turn them into something, put three years into them and turn them into to Big Ten guys. And I guess that's where my next question for you is, is with Nebraska, it seems like there's two ways you can go. You can either go find 
recruiters, guys with a lot of hype behind them. That's kind of the Scott Frost mold. Or you can go find these talent developers like what Illinois has done with Brett Bielema. You, you find a guy who has done that Big Ten mold. It's going to take a diamond or turn a, a guy in the rough and turn him into a diamond and turn him into an NFL draft pick. And if you're sitting in the AD chair, which side of that are you airing on? Because Nebraska, with the fans, with the NIL, you can recruit there if you bring a recruiter in, but it hasn't worked for them over the past couple cycles. Yeah, look, I, I know when Frost came in, the idea was like, hey, this guy has an innovative offensive scheme and he's going to score a lot of points, and, and it didn't work out. But I, I still feel like in the Big Ten West, where there's, there's not a whole lot separating the best team from the worst team as far as talent goes. Um, you know, no, no one in that division is, is consistently recruiting at a top 20 level. Uh, maybe every now and then they'll have a, a class ranked in the top 25, but no one year in and year out is pulling top 20 classes. So you, you don't have that far to go um, in, in any given year uh, as far as making up the talent gap. If, if you're not the most talented team in the division, um, then you're usually close enough that you can out-scheme people. Like, and and I'll, I'll take you all the way back to when – Joe Tiller was at Purdue. Good work. The thing that I remember about Joe Tiller that I thought made him so great is he came into the Big Ten, and what he did is he immediately, um, because of because of his offense and the consistency that they could execute, they almost always beat the teams that were on their talent level. Now they would get into you know when they'd run into the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, they they usually struggled. Uh, occasionally, you know, beat some of those teams. But, but what you could count on them to do was to, you know, beat the, the Indianas and the Minnesotas. And, uh, you know, at that point, even Wisconsin uh, was kind of on that Purdue level. And, and, I mean, I guess in a way they kind of seem like they are again, uh, at least this season. But, but that's, um, I think that's what you're looking for because you are in a division where there's, there's no reason that, that every team in that division can't go into next season <laughs> believing that they have a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty bleak where Northwestern is at the moment. But, but still, like, that, that, it's, it's just because you're, you're not dealing with having a knockoff in Ohio State. Uh, you're not even dealing with having a knockoff of Penn State, someone at that level. And, and so I, I think it's a unique situation in that the, the division just kind of lends itself um, to being able to make a lot of progress in a hurry. If you just got someone who can, who can go out there and consistently beat teams that have a, a very similar talent level. Brad, going to go to the playoff here. You got Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU in there. Do you think, uh, do you, do you think Tennessee – has enough in him to stay in front of LSU. And I know there's head-to-head. You've got a potential rematch here with Tennessee and Georgia. Uh, Excuse me. uh, You have have Georgia and and, uh, LSU uh, potentially for the SEC championship. How do you see this this fifth and sixth spot in the playoff right now? And do you buy TCU strength of schedule? Do Do you like what they've done? Yeah, I, I'm just I'm not a, a believer in uh, TCU being one of the the four best teams, you know. But then again, there you know there has to be 
um, a fourth team after you start eliminating, you know, teams from the the Big Ten and the SEC. I mean, we're assuming it's not going to be two SEC, two Big Ten. Okay, somebody has to be the fourth. And, I mean, at this point, if TCU can, you know, win three more games, um, I, they deserve to be there as much as anybody. Um, so so I, that, that's the big question. Can TCU run the table? And, and whether you think they're one of the four best or not, they're going to be in if, if they're undefeated. I think that the committee has made that pretty clear um, through uh, not only, you know, where they are right now, but also looking at uh, what they've done in, in recent seasons. So, to me, it is okay after the SEC champ and and well, I guess you know, I say after the SEC champ. The SEC champ actually is a big part of this because if there's you know a, an upset in the championship game like there was last year when Alabama knocked off Georgia, now all of a sudden you're pretty much guaranteed two SEC teams, which um, which could change the the dynamic a little bit of this race. Um, Let's just say, okay, Georgia's in, the Ohio State-Michigan winner is in. I, I think that much seems to be pretty clear right now, barring a, a shocking loss that one of those teams would take um, somewhere where nobody sees it coming. And and so then, you know, it's just a question of who, who's left. And I, I mean, to me, one of the intriguing things is going to be, like, if you've got a couple of one-loss teams going head-to-head in the ACC championship game. What what type of uh, effort are people going to make to say, hey, you know what? Due to the strength of that win in the championship game, this team now being a conference champion needs to vault over whomever else. I, I don't know if we're going to see any of that, um, but but I'm honestly I'm not expecting TCU to win out. I'm not expecting USC to win out, and so I think it really could get interesting. I, I, I believe Tennessee deserves to be in. I mean, to me, they're one of the four best teams. There, there's no shame in going to Athens and not being all that competitive against Georgia, especially when it's hyped as a big game and Georgia's up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you look at a team that has beaten Alabama, they have won in blowout fashion at LSU. To me, and, and, and not only that, but look at the other games. I mean, Tennessee, outside of a, you know a, an early season kind of stumble at pit where they ended up going to overtime. Um, they've been they've been pretty thorough in their domination. Even the, the game against Florida, which came down to the very last play, Tennessee was in control that whole game, and they just end, ended up having to survive a Hail Mary at the very end. But um, I, I, I like Tennessee. I think they are one of the, the top four teams, and, uh, and I, I hope they'll get in because because to me that's what it's about is getting the best teams out there, not the, the four best conference champs. Brad, about 60 seconds. Who do you think wins between Tennessee and Ohio State if it comes to that? I mean, Ohio State, I think, is the better team. But, you know, given what we've seen out of them a couple of times this year, I don't, I don't think it's a given mm-hmm. that they win that game. Um, I mean, the, you know, certain, certainly weather was a, you know, part of the equation against Northwestern. But it, but it certainly you know left you scratching your head a little bit, and, and even you know, look back now on that season opener against Notre Dame, and I realize the season opener is is feels like a year ago, mm-hmm. um, but but they they've had a couple performances where you're like yeah you know what I, I'm not sure that they can light up the scoreboard on everybody, um, and so uh, I would pick Ohio State because you're you're talking about a neutral field situation where weather shouldn't be a factor, um, but I certainly think Tennessee can score with them. 
And, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a type of offense that, yeah, it, it's a lot better if you've got three weeks to prepare for it, uh, <laughs> but it can still be tricky. Brad, is there any scenario in your mind where Michigan and Ohio State can both make it into the college football playoff? I, I, I see it being difficult just because neither one of them has a, a great schedule strength, mm-hmm. you know, because Notre Dame didn't turn out to be an awesome team. I mean, they'll probably end up being ranked by the committee, but, um, I, you know, if Ohio State were to lose that game at home, it would hard, be hard for me to see them overcoming that, especially um, with the Northwestern game also on there. Michigan, I just I think the overall non-conference schedule and even the conference schedule is just too weak, especially if, like, the, the one big game you have on your schedule, you don't win it. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you have to hang your hat on as far as a win for Michigan? And I, I don't know that there's enough there to overcome not being a conference champ. So I would say no. I think I think only one Big Ten team gets there. Well, Brad Edwards with his college football insider at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. His book, Dynasty by the Numbers, and a longtime college football man at ESPN. Brad, we'll keep you updated on silly season, and uh, <laughs> sooner rather than later, my friend, we'll, we'll have a name here uh, wearing the, uh, the quarter zip uh, for Nebraska. Well, uh, I, I hope you get some resolution soon. You know, with that December signing period now, there's a lot more urgency than there used to be, so hopefully uh, it won't take too much longer. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Brad, you take care, bud. Have a great Thanksgiving. Okay, same to you. Take care. Appreciate it. Good to spend time with Brad Edwards. Good insight on the college football playoff. You got the TCU talk. What happens to the, the number two team with the Big Ten? You've got three really good candidates for the SEC. Tennessee technically has the number one strength to schedule in America with all the Big 12 teams ranked. We'll talk more Husker football. Evan Bland with the World Herald on the way on Hale Varsity.